Last week, our Pastor Peter spoke to us something very, very challenging. He talked to us about the scripture verse and the meaning of all of Israel will be saved. And if you've missed that meeting, you can go back to the tape table and get a CD from it. I believe that each one of us had a very busy Passover season, a very busy Passover week. Lots of food, a lot of matzah, a lot of events and things happening. And especially our group and our team that went to Bumbamela, the New Age Festival. They were there for four days. And sometime very soon in the future, we want to have a special evening that we hear just from them and what was happening and what happened down there, things they experienced. There was at least 24 people that received the Lord, oh, 28 people, sorry, that received the Lord as a result of different teams being down there at the New Age Festival. And the team from our congregation, the hand of the Lord was truly upon them. So prayerfully next week on Shabbat, we will have a time and a date for exactly when we will have this meeting to hear from them. From the moment that I started to organize for this message this morning, so the part of this being organized for this meeting and this message this morning was not just having a day before, but it was really the Lord speaking to me the last two weeks. I've been praying that the Lord would really give me his word for this time for our congregation. So the word I received from the Lord that I believe was from the Lord was to speak about the risen Messiah, the resurrection of the Messiah. At Passover, we spoke all about the death and about the blood. So we learned that the blood of the Messiah that was going to cover and atone for us was all throughout the scriptures in the Old Covenant and in the New. But all of this is only the first part of the story. The story does not stop in the fact that Messiah died for our sins. But it's written that on the third day he will rise from the dead. When we start to look at the subject of the resurrection of Messiah, we start to realize that this part of the story is the whole heart of the gospel. Without this resurrection, we have no gospel. So we want to read this morning a few scripture verses that Saul has written, Paul has written for us. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Start from reading verse 16. He spoke these scripture verses and told these people these words because there were people that said there's no such thing as rising from the dead. Verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Verse 17, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. 
if you do not believe that Yeshua was raised from the dead, it's a waste of your time. All of your faith then has no value. The difference between our faith of believing in Messiah and all other faiths is totally the reality of Christ rising from the dead. The Muslims believe they have a prophet they believe in. His name is Muhammad. He's buried in Mecca. And every year, hundreds of people go and pray next to his gravesite. The Baha'is, you know, we have a big place here in Haifa that belongs to the Baha'is. From outside, they have a, an area that looks so beautiful. And in Akko, they have their prophet who is buried there, and they go there and pray there. And the Buddhists pray to all sorts of gurus who are dead. Buddha, for example, wasn't even buried. They burned his body and scattered his ashes everywhere. And in our Orthodox Judaism, and if you go to any store from somebody who keeps, you'll see pictures of all these different rabbis on the wall. You can see grave sites in Tiberias, also in Tzfat, in Netivot, all different places here in the country of Israel of all sorts of famous rabbis who are buried there. And people go and pray in these areas. So Danny says, just so that you know, if it was up to him and he has the choice, from this uh, list that we have of who he's going to believe in, I would not believe in any of those. I am not praying to somebody who's dead. A person who's dead cannot help you. Why can he not help you? Because well, he's dead. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> wow, how deep, how deep. When I choose to give my life to the life of faith, I want to be sure that the same person that I pray to and the one that I live for, that he's not in any grave, but he's alive. And how good it is to know this. Amen. That our Lord, our Messiah, He is alive. Amen. Come on, you don't understand how wonderful that is. He's alive. Amen. There are so many different theories that have come up according to the death of Christ. In the Middle Ages, it came the decision that the Jews were guilty of Yeshua's death and even it came forth up even until these days now and in 1963 in the Vatican in Rome the Pope put forth a decree actually it was actually it was a decree saying that the Jews were not responsible for the death of Yeshua they were not guilty. It's not exactly that you see the, the Jewish people, or a Gentile person going to a Jewish person saying, wow, you didn't kill the Lord. It's true that anti-Semitism is really still alive in the hearts of the people of the world. So I thought to myself, why is it that the people hate the Jewish people so much for this time? And I've come to an agreement 
I've come to the realization that for them, Yeshua is still in the grave. He has not come from the dead. Because if they really believed in their heart that he rose from the dead, they would be, just be in awe. Hallelujah. Play, praise be to God. So just to emphasize this, the people who killed Yeshua was the Jews and the Gentiles. And the reason for this is that Christ died for the Jews and for the Gentiles so that we all may have forgiveness of sin. Nobody is less guilty than the next because we all need Messiah. And because of our sins, he died. But he rose from the grave. Amen. There are some theories to explain why Yeshua rose from the dead. There are some people that say Yeshua didn't really die on the cross, but that he actually fainted or passed out. So it was the fact that maybe when he was on the cross that he really didn't die, he just fainted. And when he was in the grave, that the cold air that was in the grave with all the different fragrances and spices that were in there, it woke him up and he came out from the grave. He was shown to the disciples and he rose from the dead. This is not possible because the things that Yeshua went through before he was in the grave, during his crucifixion, you can go through history and you can read the pain and the suffering that a person went through before they were crucified. If it was from the beatings, when they would beat the person and it would actually pull their flesh from them. If it was also when they put a person on the cross and they pierced his hands and his nails. If it was from the sword being into his side that pierced him. After Yeshua went through all of these things, they put him in the grave with a gigantic, huge stone. And so he got up in this physical state of, of all of this beatings and and on his own, he was able to move the, gra the stone. He went through the complete Roman guards by himself. And then he went to be shown to the disciples. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> this is for you to decide. <laughs> Another theory. That the disciples of Yeshua came and stole his body. <laughs> David, Pastor David is sitting on the front row and he says, nonsense. Just to remind you that in the Jewish Judaism, in the religious Judaism, after a person died, it's defilement to your body if you were to go and touch that person and move him out of the grave. The second thing, the, the disciples also had to go through the Roman guards to move the gigantic gravestone, take, take the body of Yeshua out, steal him away quietly, so that none of the Romans there would know this. It's sometimes hard for me to understand and to realize the seriousness of the disciples of Yeshua, that they were able to start a new faith with the idea and the realization that they would one day give their lives 
for this gospel. But something happened. Something happened to these disciples. So we say to ourselves, how can we in this day and age have people that do not believe in the resurrection of the Lord? And especially among those of us in Israel. It's written for us in scriptures in the New Testament. It says that after the Roman guards saw that the stone was moved and that the body was not there, they went to the Kohen priests at the same time. They told them what happened. And the priest said, say to the people that the disciples came and stole the body and we will give you money for this and nothing will happen to you. And this is a lie that even until today is still roaming through the hearts and the people of Israel. Also in the Old Covenant, there are scripture verses that show to us the resurrection of Messiah. When we speak about resurrection, we speak about a miracle. It's not logical. It's something supernatural. It's somebody that's died and he's risen back to life. Hello, do you hear this? This is something supernatural. You need faith for this. If you have no faith, then you have nothing to do here. Because all of the book of the New Covenants and the Old Covenant is all about faith. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Scripture verses that are very famous concerning Messiah. Isaiah 53. We won't read the whole chapter, but I want you to look at one specific verse or a few verses. This chapter is one of the specific chapters in the Old Covenant that speaks about Messiah. Until about 100 years after Yeshua, this, script, this whole chapter was believed to be the chapter that spoke about Messiah of Israel. And the disciples told the people, told the people around them, look here, it says in these verses that the Messiah is supposed to die. And so after that 100 years, then there arose these men that decided that this chapter was not about Messiah. It, this chapter does not speak about the Messiah, but it speaks about the people of Israel. That's what these people said. This is not possible that it speaks about the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. Look at verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. The verse here we read is about a man who dies like a criminal, but he is buried in a grave of a rich person. Look at the last part of this scripture verse. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. So is it possible that we could say this about the people of Israel, that they have done no violence and there's no deceit in their mouth? Can we say that? Do you think we could say that? We have sinned just like every other person. Look at the book of Judges. We see here, we're talking about a man who was perfect, who had done no sin. So we see later in the scripture verses in the same chapter that the same person that was called the servant of the Lord, that they beat him and they despised him as if he was a criminal. So we see also later in the new covenant, we see the scripture verse that Joseph of Arimathea had given his grave. He was a rich man. He gave his grave for Yeshua 
and it was a fulfillment of these scriptures. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So this verse specifically tells us about life from this same person after he died. It says he will see his seed and he will prolong his days, which means death did not stop him, would be that the Lord would prolong his days and he would see his seed. Let's go to Psalms chapter 16. Psalms chapter 16, verses 8. Psalms 16, verse 8 through 10. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in shoal, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. We see that David was not just the king of Israel, but he was a man of worship. He was good at music. He loved to sing praises to the Lord. So many of these psalms that we read were praises and worship songs to the Lord. And so many times, like as we also praise and worship the Lord here, the Lord gives us a prophecy that we've seen. We see here that in this scripture verses here that we read that God is showing David a prophecy. He says in verse 10, for you will not leave my soul in shoal. My soul will not come to a place of final death, but you will show me life. You will not allow your righteous ones to see. This is also something we see in Peter after the falling of the Holy Spirit upon the people. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. The plans of God are so wonderful. At Passover, we have the sacrifice. And at Shavuot or Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And soon we will also celebrate Shavuot or the Festival of Weeks. These same disciples that were so confused they were frightened. The same ones that ran away from Yeshua at the time that he was caught, captured, and then killed, crucified. Amen. These same disciples saw Yeshua rise from the dead. And after Yeshua rose from the dead, some of them didn't believe, like Thomas. We won't go into that story right now. And others said, well, maybe it was just like a vision. Maybe you thought you saw him. And they said it also to Miriam when she came and she said that she saw Yeshua. Even to them, they still had a lack of faith because they didn't believe. But Yeshua revealed himself to them time after time after time. And he said to them, wait in Jerusalem until you have received power from on high. The Holy Spirit came down. And here we see that Peter that in his own way before the crucifixion he denied Christ now he stands with full authority and power and courage 
in front of a huge group of people in Jerusalem. And he preaches and puts forth the promises and who Christ is. Verse 22. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Yeshua of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs in which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Verse 23. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, you have crucified, and you have put to death. Verse 24. Amen. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Amen. So the message of the disciples is from the same point. It wasn't just that Yeshua died. Amen. But Yeshua rose from the grave. And this is the message that needs to be in our lives today. That Yeshua is alive. He's risen from the dead. He has won over the death. Satan thought at one point that he had won because, because God, Yeshua was put to death. And for three days he had a, a party and he danced. And I remember one time that Pastor Peter said this and I won't forget it. Peter had a revelation that after Yeshua rose from the dead, he came to Satan and he said, give me the keys. Give me the keys. You think you're in charge? You think you have won? You are ashamed. You are ashamed. When Danny was at Bombo Mal at the New Age Festival, there was a time that Gedalia and Yonatan, Gedalia was speaking to a religious man about the faith. And Jonathan was speaking to another man that calls himself a witch. And the anointing of the Lord was on both of them in such a special way, it's impossible to really describe it. And they're speaking to these people about Yeshua and what Yeshua's done. And so I, Danny says to himself, I said to myself, I'm, I'm not even going to get involved in this because the anointing is so strong on both of them. I just stayed at the back and I prayed. And each, at the end of these conversations, both of these men went their own way. And they went and they were disappointed. They were disappointed. Do you know why? Because Yeshua is alive. He's not just some rabbi that he's buried somewhere. He's not some guru or witch that's buried somewhere in India. But these two people, Jonathan and Gedalia, serve a living God, and he was alive in them. Amen. In the risen, rising of the Christ, Yeshua was able to beat Satan. And this is why that you and I are to walk in victory. What is resurrection for us? Okay, Yeshua rose from the dead. It's a great thing. Where is he now? Amen. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing? Interceding for us and praying for us. But there were things that happened that we're able to put into our lives personally. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. It's a 
Romans chapter 4, verse 25. It's a small, short verse, but very important. He who was delivered up because of our offenses, our sins, and he was raised so that we could be justified. He went to the cross because of our sins. He is the perfect sacrifice for the atonement. But his resurrection, his resurrection was like a seal. This sacrifice was accepted in heaven. And now you and I, we are justified. We can now call each other justified in Messiah. A sacrifice is not just to slay him and to have a sacrifice, but that it would be accepted in the heavens. And the fact that we have this and that it was accepted in the heavens is that Yeshua rose from the dead. And if we see that the grave would cover the Messiah and would be a covering for us, we see that through his resurrection we can walk in justification before the Lord. We can be free from all guilt. Maybe there are some of you here that you carry around with you guilt from your history and things that have happened. And maybe this is something that is, is carrying and running after you for years. But I want to say to you this morning, Yeshua the Messiah, He can justify you. He can make you clean. He can take this guilt away from you. He can allow you to start a new way. Danny's calling this message this morning a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's not the same as yesterday. Not the same as a year ago. God wants us to leave here in a new day. The sacrifice was accepted in the heavens. Let's look at another thing. In Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Yeshua were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism into death, that just as Messiah was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So I've always thought, Danny's always thought that the baptism in the water is a symbol, but I've decided that it's not true. I believe it's something deeper than just a symbol. The same time that a man receives the faith in Messiah, Yeshua, he starts to walk in the ways of Messiah. This whole subject about baptism in the water is not just a symbol. It's something that happens in that person's life from that moment onwards. So baptism in water, that's not something that's foreign to Jewish religion. So baptism in water that we know now among the believing Christian faith is something that came from Jewish, Jewish history. So you see in the, in the Jewish history and in Jewish religion, there are people that even today among the more religious go to the mikveh as a sign, an outward sign of purity. But the baptism that we do through the name of Yeshua, it's not just that I go down in the water and I am unified with him in his death. 
I'm not staying there. Amen. Amen. We are not staying down in that water. <laughs> We're coming up. And when you come up, amen, you come up just the same way that Yeshua came up from the grave. I believe that there are people here that have not been baptized in water that believe in Messiah Yeshua. And I believe this is one of the things that is missing in your life in order for you to see more of the power of God in your life. And so just so you know that this next Friday we're continuing our studies with some of the people here in the congregation that want to do this. I believe the Holy Spirit will talk to you. It's not enough to just have the sacrifice for the sins, but you need to walk in newness of life. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. One more thing. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Amen. But if the spirit of him who raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Messiah from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The resurrection has a connection with the Spirit of God. Who raised Yeshua from the dead? So in the scriptures we see a few examples. One says God. Another scripture says the glory of God. Another scripture here says the Spirit of God. So we see here that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all involved in this. So the resurrection of the Christ says to us that you can receive the Spirit of God. Now the Spirit of God is there and available for each person. Yeshua, when he went up to heaven, after he rose from the dead, what did he say? He said, wait in Jerusalem. I'm going. I'm getting the, Ruah, the Holy Spirit, and I'm sending him to you. Amen. He had to die, rise from the dead, raise up to the Father, in order that the sacrifice would be received. And now the Holy Spirit, you can receive him. Amen. Isn't it wonderful that you can walk in this world and the Spirit of God just walks and dwells in you? I'm not going to do a whole story and lesson about the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God in you? He is the one that walks with you and guides you. He says to you what to do, what not to do. He's the one that gives you joy in the deepest time. Amen. He's the one that gives you power in the time that you don't know what to do or how to do it. In the resurrection of the Christ, the Holy Spirit is available for each one of us. Amen. We are a new creation. God calls us to, to give ourselves to him, to live the new life. Not the way I was before, but to live the new life. Christ rose from the dead so that we can walk in newness of life, so that our old nature will no longer have control over us. Amen. It's says that he has seated us together with him in heavenly places. That means that our walk, our thinking, our patterns of life, the way we do things, these whole things are not in an earthly way. Our feet might be here, but we are with Christ. When a person meets Christ, he is not the same as the way he was before he met Christ. If you're the same, I'm sad to tell you some news, then you're not saved. If you are the same after you meet Christ. A person who comes to Christ and has met Christ and has that covering for him and believes that Yeshua rose from the dead, he will be a new person, a new creature. He will be changed. He will not be the same. 
You know, it's something wonderful. God will change you. And he changes us to be more like him in his nature. When Yeshua comes into your heart, when Yeshua came into Danny's heart, the change was immediate. There was not a plan or a program or a few years it took. But the moment, the same moment, but the same moment that Christ comes into your life, amen, he comes in as one who has got the victory over death and over sin, and your life is not the same because you are a new creature. You are dead to the old life, dead to sin, amen, but you are alive and living in the Messiah who has risen from the dead. There's so much to say about this, but I don't want to continue going on with these things. But my prayer is that we will leave from this place today with the faith, with the security, amen, that Yeshua is not in some sort of grave somewhere, amen, that he is alive, amen, and he sits on the right hand of the Father. He's there for us, and he calls us to walk in him because there are people around us that do not know him, and they need to see this new life. They need to see that Yeshua is alive and working in our lives. Let's stand, brothers and sisters. Let's not live our lives that Yeshua is still in the grave. He's alive. He's alive in you. He's beaten death. It doesn't matter what kind of problems you're going through right now. He is above all problems. He is above all. He is alive and he's praying for you at this moment. He knows your needs. Let's give him the glory. Let's give him and offer to him ourselves in a new way. And let's put forth that Yeshua is alive in our lives. Let's lift our hands. Amen. Yes, Lord. Father, I pray that this truth would not be just a truth that we know in our mind, Lord. But, Father, that it would be validated in our life, in our daily life. That you are alive in us. You are the hope of Israel. I pray that you would touch each person that's here this morning. Father, when they see their lives, that they would see that Yeshua is alive. In the name of Yeshua, we pray this. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Father in heaven, I'm not even sure at this moment if I need to call people forward. But if you need prayer, the Lord is here for you. He wants to strengthen you and encourage you. And I say, if you want to come before the altar of the Lord here now, God wants to touch you. And he wants to put forth this fact in you that Yeshua is alive. Amen. Yes, Lord. It's a new day. It's a new day. Amen. Yes, Lord. If you came this morning and you need a breakthrough, a miracle, come before the Lord. He's here. He's alive. Amen. Yes, Lord.